if you have a startup company or you're just looking to grow your sales, grow your business in a way that's really, really going to support sustainable growth um, and real progress, then I strongly recommend that you check out uh, this video today with Matt Hines. Uh, so Matt is the CEO and founder of Hines Marketing, one of the most successful marketing agencies uh, in the USA. And we cover some awesome content today. So First, we cover a bit of startup stuff. So if you are a startup company and you're looking to scale, you're looking to get yourself out there and grow your sales without necessarily having a track record, then this is the video for you today. And also, if you um, are actually looking for ways to sell, new ways to make sales without actually seeming like you're trying to sell um, and just provide as much value as possible to your clients, then uh, we cover that too with Matt today and there's a lot to learn. So uh, again, get out a notepad and make some notes because I personally learned loads today and I'm sure that you can too. Matt, great to have you on today. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're really, really excited to learn uh, some of your insights. Uh, me and Scott have been following along with your, with your blog um, and some of your content and what we really want to do today on the call is obviously um, you've built up a massive, massive marketing agency um, from the ground up, really using your experience, using great work and had the ability to build relationships with companies like Amazon, um, the Bill Gates Foundation. Um, so really what we want to do today is hear a little bit about you from how you've actually got from, from those initial beginnings all the way to where you are uh, today. So where we really wanted to dive in first and foremost with you matt was in terms of startups and how they can actually develop so our first question for you today is what advice would you give to startups and new companies to really build up their pipeline and make new sales without necessarily having um, that track record that comes with being an established company yeah i think a lot of companies make the mistake of trying to tell their story first and I, and I think that you know your customers and prospects aren't going to care about your story unless you prove that you care about theirs first mm -hmm. and that's you know that's a good lesson for startups it's a good lesson for new companies it's a good lesson for companies that have been around for a while and I think that what the way you can translate that into action is just listen and respond uh, you know I think a lot of companies do the opposite where they just talk and hope the market responds but if you listen to your customers, if you listen to what they're talking about, if you listen to what they're worried about, if you listen and, and think and learn what they are struggling with, that gives you clues on what information they need. It gives you clues to the problems they need solved. And from a, from a product development standpoint, from a, from a go to market standpoint, from a content standpoint, it gives you far greater evidence and and opportunities to engage with your customers on information that they care about because I mean, you, you know you bef before you're ever going to get a dollar from your customers you have to earn their ongoing attention build some credibility with them and get to the point where you know they believe in you and it's not about believing in your product it's about believing that you have something interesting to say that you have something valuable to say Mm. Um, and it's, it's a fairly simple thing to do to say, I'm going to listen and I'm going to respond. Mm. Um, but not enough companies that we see have either the patience or the discipline to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think patience is key. I think in sales, I think 
Sales overall, I think, you know, a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, a lot of salespeople, they think that, you know, we talked about this on other interviews as well, um, but it's all about the close. It's all about how can I get that business from now into my bank ASAP. So when we talk about building relationships, building that value, being able to take those people on a journey, you know, it all starts with that pre-approach, that approach. How do you gather that information? Yep. How do you gather that data and then turn that into value? So when we talk about planting seeds in the pre-approach, you know, what kind of things would Heinz Marketing do in that sense? Would you look to identify channels for growth? Would you look to use certain amounts of dialogue? What would you do, Matt? Well, I mean, I, I, think, I think almost you could use the same answer I used the first one, right? I think if, if you understand who your audience is and what they care about and start writing about and talking about those issues, um, you know, if, you, if I were to tell you, for example, that on your very first sales call with a prospect, you're not allowed to talk about your product or service. Like you just can't, if they ask you a direct question, then that's one thing. But otherwise you can't bring it up. What's the conversation you're going to have? What questions are you going to ask? What, infer, what insights or reframes of a problem the prospect does or doesn't know that they have are you going to raise that helps them be better? Like what, what is something you could share in that first sales interaction that your prospect would pay for? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's an interesting question for companies to really grapple with. Yeah. that you know maybe doesn't get you to the demo on that first call but sometimes three steps is faster than one to actually get to the outcome you want mm -hmm. and look i i get it i get when you're an early stage company like you got to close deals i mean i'm not you know we're not so big that i don't worry about that i think about that at the end of every month yep. you know we're uh, we're recording this on the very last day of a month and you know there's deals i want to get done by the end of the month right but yep. I, there's nothing I can do to push prospects faster than they're ready to go. And the more pressure I put on them, the more friction I create between their interest and mine. And uh -huh. that friction, 99% of the time, is distracting and will actually push prospects away. Sure. And I think, you know, a great little side question to ask you, I think that's a great answer. So how do you build that value-based pressure? How can you push but also take away that take away that value and become very nurturing in the process. How do we, how do we get into that sort of rhythm, if that makes sense? Well, I'm a big fan of the, the challenger sale and the challenger customer, the work that the CEB team put together mm -hmm. and, you know, a core, you know, uh, sort of mantra from the challenger sales team is the idea that you're going to, that you need to be to teach tailor and take control that you can, that you teach your customers something you create and you, uh, and you, and you communicate some insight, some reframe of a problem, you tailor that insight to their business. And then once they understand how that insight is relevant to their business and understand what the impact you could have, you know, quantifying the cost of a problem they do or don't know they have quantifying the opportunity cost of not moving forward, then you can take control of the conversation, not based on your interest, but based on theirs. Sure, sure. You know, if you have created an insight that helps the prospects see their business differently, you've earned the right now to, to help them prioritize and help them achieve that outcome and that change for themselves. Now, ideally, you have a solution that helps them get there, but you're no longer just evangelizing your deal. You're evangelizing for their outcome. Absolutely. No doubt. I think that's a great point there, Matt. And one thing that we, me and Scott have, have realized a lot within sales is that the more times that in a conversation with a prospect that you can actually um, end that call with that prospect telling you 
look, I really enjoyed that conversation. I learned a lot. I enjoyed our time today. Um, I'm looking forward to speaking again. Um, that's going to make things a hell of a lot easier further down the line when you're actually going in for that, for that close. It's almost the, um, the rule of, of reciprocity. Um, so if you can actually give and give and give, eventually you're going to get back um, in terms of a sale. Um, so that's uh, it's definitely yep. a great point there. Um, so obviously, Matt, you, you've got a lot of experience in dealing with maybe higher ticket clients, bigger clients. Um, has it always been that way when you first started um, Heinz Marketing? Were you, were you directly going after those big clients or mm. originally were you kind of looking for maybe smaller clients and, and building up from there? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, ironically, you know, we've actually never pursued big clients. We've mostly gone after, you know, I think growth and mid-market companies, growth-based companies are really bigger sweet spot for us. Mm. Um, you know, you've got organizations that, you know, go, that, you know as you grow, you know, you're, you're doing a lot of reactive, a lot of last minute marketing work. You might be doing sort of random acts of marketing, trying to get campaigns out the door mm. and to really sustain predictable, repeatable growth. You have to get to a point where you've got a, an engine for growth beyond just the campaigns you're doing. And, and that includes how well you understand your customer. It includes how well sales and marketing work together. It includes the technology and reporting systems you have uh, working beneath, beneath you. And so it's all those things that come together that create that predictable, repeatable, scalable sales and marketing engine. And that's where, you know, I find that it's really exciting to get to work with, um, to work with growth phase companies. Um, we get, a, you know, I think as we've built our business and we've tried to sort of, you know, emulate in our own sales and marketing efforts, what we espouse else, elsewhere, you know, we've generated a lot of inbound interest and so gotten some nice um, enterprise business that way as well. But uh, we love working with the smaller companies. I think they, you know, they tend to be a little scrappier. They tend to be a little hungrier. Um, and you know, you can, it's a little, sometimes a little easier with the smaller organizations to see the results on both sides of what's working. Sure. Sure. Do you find the relationships are easier to continue with the smaller companies as opposed to the bigger ones? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a good question. I think, honestly, I think sometimes the bigger companies create more longevity more agencies because they they sometimes work slower and have more perpetual need. I mean, I, I actually find that with growth phase companies, we can come in, help them develop a sales and marketing engine. And almost by definition, you know, they need to go and build that as a core competency inside their organization. So if we're successful, sometimes we end up working our way out of a job because we'll build that engine and then kind of teach them how to run it themselves. Mm -hmm. um, you know, with a lot with a lot of those companies, there may be follow on projects and that's good. But I think you know, you, that, it's another example of putting the customer's best interest at, at heart. I mean, I think with some of those growth-based companies, you know, we could, there are things we could do to make make it so that they had to work with us longer. Um, mm -hmm. But as soon as you start using that kind of nomenclature, well, you have to keep working with us. And, you know, it's really hard. You know, it, it's one thing to be sticky. It's another thing to have a really high switching cost. I want to be sticky. I want people to want to work with us. I don't want it to be a point where they feel like they have to keep working with us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... You know, we, we make it easy for our clients to evolve their relationship with us and evolve how they're managing their sales and marketing um, as they grow. And that's and that's always a good thing. And I think the more we make those right decisions for our clients, um, you know, the more that makes us attractive and sticky for them as well as others. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Absolutely. So, Matt, you mentioned there quite a few things and obviously um, providing so much, so much value and so much 
um, great work that you can actually sometimes work your way out of a job. Um, I guess what's critical for you is that constant flow of new leads coming in as well, new prospects that you can begin to nurture down that line. Um, so my question yeah. for you um, would be in terms of inbound leads, what are your three best strategies for generating more inbound leads? Uh, the first one is content. Mm -hmm. uh, the second one is content. The third <laughs> one is content. Um, and, and content's a big word, right? So, uh, but seriously, no, I think um, we've developed a, an engine of content creation and curation across multiple channels, multiple formats mm. that I think, you know, doesn't always have like a lead registration on ramp, but is is ideally the kind of content that our customers care about, that's going to make them smarter, that's going to make them want to come back and read more and learn more from us. Yeah. And so, you know, yeah. instead of focusing on registration, we focus on attention and engagement. Like I want to, I want, I want to earn more attention from my prospects, knowing that the more they read from us, the more time they spend with us, the more likely they're going to come to us if they have a need or a problem. Um, you know, I think we also do an awful lot of direct outreach to, uh, to our named accounts, the companies we think are the best targets for us, mm -hmm. but we're doing that with content. You know, I think I'm going to, um, you know, as we, as we record this, I'm going to be in Boston next week at a couple different conferences and we're reaching out to people that we know are going to be at those conferences that we think are good targets for us. Yep. And we're not reaching out to say, Hey, would you like to take a meeting or Hey, can you, we show you a demo? You know, we're saying, hey, you know, based on your role, we've done a healthy amount of research this year in that area. I'd love to share with you the highlights of those re that research mm -hmm. if you've got a couple minutes, right? So I'm asking for some time, but I'm offering something of what we think is, you know, good value in exchange. So, you know, there's a variety of inbound, outbound tactics channels we could talk about, but the underpinning of all of them is having good content that makes your customers smarter, that gives them value, that gives them a reason to stay engaged with mm -hmm. us. Yeah, that's a great point there. And I think, you know, one thing I've learned most about marketing and content is it's not, you don't have to be selly with it. It's all about education. How can you empower your audience to think of you in a better light? How do you position yeah. the company and the CEO as a thought leader? Because people want to learn new things. And if they're trusting you to learn new things, they're more likely to join your business and grow with you. So how important is education for you as well, Matt, aside from business? Oh my gosh. I mean, it's, um, it's everything. You know, I think it's, you know, I, we, we're a relatively small company. Um, I actually don't have a sales team. I, you know, I am the sales guy for our organization. Um, I think, and it works in part because of the way that we do pipeline development. You know, we, you know, everybody on our team is creating content. Everybody is generous with their ideas. And if I can get in front of a prospect and just have a conversation about their business and share ideas, like I had a call, hour long call with a prospect last Friday, and it was all about just listening to their target account marketing program and offering some advice and saying, well, here's what I've seen work well elsewhere. And there was no pitch, there was nothing. And then at the very end, you know, she said, okay, well, this is really helpful. Like, what could you do to help us with this? Uh -huh. right? I mean, like, and that's the, that's the perfect scenario for me where we provided enough value and been generous enough and, and, and valuable enough with our insights that we get a prospect saying, well, clearly, you know, your clearly, you know, your you know, what around this, mm. what, how, how do you think you could work more closely with us to, to help with some of these issues? Yeah. And that, there you have a prospect inviting you to provide some guidance on like services or products. I and mean, that's, 
I'll tell you what, I mean, that's, it's, you don't always have to sit back and wait for that. But I think when you can invest in the, in the content, and if you can invest in the generosity and the engagement to the point where your prospect, where the pitch comes second, you're in a very, very good position. Yeah. Um, and, and most companies don't invest in that. And it becomes a huge competitive differentiation when you do. I mean, when you've got prospects that will call you and say, I don't know your business, but someone told me that if I call you, that you will share advice and not give me a sales pitch first. Mm. Like that is gold. That is amazing. Mm, absolutely. And that's a, a fantastic um, transition, I think, Matt, in terms of congruency, right? So if you're going to be this company providing content, providing education and whatnot, when you get onto the phone with that prospect, when you get into a meeting, if you try and pitch them straight away, then that congruency is gone. So it's really important, yep. that, at least we believe, to actually continue that um, that journey of education, that journey of, of uh, providing content even in person, uh, more insights, more information, and actually get to a natural point in the conversation instead of kind of just leading with the pitch, um, actually leading with, with education, leading with value. Yeah, and here's but here's here's the challenge, right? I mean, I think we can we can sit in our ivory tower today and talk about all of this, but I think there may be a lot of companies listening and saying, "Yeah, but you know, yeah, but I need to hit my number. Yeah, mm -hmm. but you know, I'm a, I'm in sales, and my boss tells me he's measuring me based on demos demos completed or appointments set. So how do I provide value if if I'm being held to these higher targets? And mm -hmm. that's a I mean that's a serious question. So I think you know you got to understand sometimes that you're not going to get the demo unless you demonstrate something of value first. Mm -hmm. You know, like I can't tell you how many times I've seen, you know, both with, you know, in the field as well as people calling us where I'll download a white paper and someone will call and say, well, thanks for downloading the white paper. Would you like to see a demo? Like, no, just because I wanted your white paper doesn't mean I want to see your product. And so that's a, you know, that's an example of creating friction yeah, inside sure. the organization. What I'd rather have companies do is call and say, thanks for downloading the white paper what about that topic was interesting to you right now, right? If you're writing white papers where the topics are tied to the problems your customers are solving or the pain or the, or the things that should be keeping them up at night, then, then you can ask your customer like, okay, what is going on in your business that made this topic prescient right now? Mm -hmm. Like, why is this interesting to you right now? Like that is a much more interesting conversation because now you're going to learn what's going on in their business. You're going to learn what, you know, what, where the pain points are that you can then tie to your organ, to, to, to your, your, your benefits within your product and solution. Yep. Right. So you, it, it provides the opportunity for that teachable moment that you can then tailor and ultimately take control. Of. Perfect. I think that's a great way to end things off as well. Um, some great, great advice there from Matt Hines. Um, so guys, if you want to check out Matt, where can we find you? Uh, you can check us out at HeinzMarketing.com. It's H-E-I-N-Z, like ketchupmarketing.com. Um, just uh, on Twitter, we share a lot of, lot of uh, sales and marketing advice on Twitter, just at, at Heinz Marketing. And I'm uh, Matt, M-A-T-T, at HeinzMarketing.com. Amazing. Amazing. So thank you so much um, on behalf of me and Cameron and our wider audience. I think YouTube is a great way to, to get across, you know, that education that we spoke about. And hopefully this will make a difference to a lot of people across the world. So thank you so much for your time today, Matt. Oh, yeah, my pleasure.